Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus told his disciples that in seeing him, they had seen the Father. They are distinct members of the Trinity, but one in essence and perfect in unity. Jesus is perfect theology, absolute perfect theology. And this is one of the most important truths to remember when you are reading your Bible. The revelation of God in the Old Testament is not as complete as what is seen in the New Testament with the coming of Christ. Christ and his life provide the clearest picture and give us the final word. That means that anything we believe when it comes to biblical truth must align with the revelation and truth of Christ. All beliefs, including the topic of healing, must be tested against the life of Jesus. If we believe something about healing, but it is not seen in the life of Christ, that means that we are either wrong in that belief, or there is a fuller revelation that Jesus has brought forth for us to walk in. Remember, the overarching truth today, Jesus is the will of the Father revealed for healing. So with that in mind, let's dive into the scriptures beginning in Matthew 8. We're going to read verses 16 and 17. It says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So in Matthew chapter 8, if you study the full chapter, you will see Jesus doing what he always did. At the beginning of Matthew 8, it talks about how the crowds were following after Jesus. He first heals a man with leprosy. He then heads to Capernaum, and a centurion comes to him asking for Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus speaks the word, and the servant is healed. He then heads to Peter's house, and we see that Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. And so Jesus goes, and he heals her. And we then get to the verses that we read. And it says, when evening came, Jesus came and he cast out demons and he healed all of the sick. They brought all of the sick and all those who were demon possessed to Jesus. And he drove out the evil spirits with a word, right? Notice there that the casting out of demons doesn't require a great show. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, in other words, he flicks his finger and the demon is gone. He cast out demons and he healed all of the sick. Now, there is one word in that verse that is absolutely vital for us to recognize, and it is the word all. All. Jesus healed all of the sick. It doesn't say that Jesus healed a few of the sick. It doesn't say that he healed some of them. It doesn't even say that he healed a lot of them. It says Jesus healed all of them. And this was the pattern of Christ. And we've discussed this before about Christ's pattern and the early disciples' pattern and the one we are supposed to follow. That Jesus would go, he would proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, and then he would demonstrate the power of that kingdom. See, the good news, the gospel message, is not just that you can be saved and you can go to heaven someday. Many people today preach what I call the gospel of salvation, They make the gospel message only about being saved and going to heaven someday. Now, that is a vital part of the gospel message, but it's only part of the entire story. See, the good news, the gospel message that Jesus preached was the gospel of the kingdom. 
It's that a superior kingdom has broken into this world and we can receive of that kingdom, which includes salvation and receiving eternal life, but it also contains healing, redemption, wholeness, and restoration, even now for all who are willing to come to him. See, if you would study the Gospels, you will find that 14 different times the writers of the Gospels in describing Christ and his healing ministry specifically call out that Jesus healed all of the sick and tormented who came to him. The Gospel writers, they went to great lengths to record that Jesus healed every single person who came to him. No one who ever came to Christ for healing was ever turned away or ever walked away unwell. Now, in verse 17 of Matthew 8, it tells us that Jesus did this in fulfillment of what Isaiah the prophet spoke of, and then it quotes from Isaiah 53. And so let's look at those verses in their context in Isaiah. If you want to turn over to Isaiah 53. And I'm going to read these from the New American Standard Version. So you may have a couple of different words, but we'll talk about that in a second. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. It says, However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God, and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. So this is the famous suffering servant passage from the Bible. It is a messianic prophecy foretelling that the Messiah who was to come would suffer, not for anything that he did wrong, but on our behalf, on humanity, for humanity's sins. And ultimately, this prophecy recorded by Isaiah was fulfilled 700 years later in the life of Jesus, the spotless and sinless one. And now with the different translations, you'll find that they translate certain words in what I just read differently. I prefer the New American Standard here because it translates the verse in the most literal manner from the Hebrew. And it calls out some powerful truths of what Christ did for us when he went to the cross. He bore our sickness. He carried our pain, which would include both physical and mental emotional pain. He was pierced for our offenses, for our sins. He was crushed for our wrongdoing. He took our punishment, and through his wounds we are healed. And there is more as you read through the whole 53rd chapter of Isaiah. But what this clearly teaches is that when Jesus bore our sin on the cross, he paid for both sin and the effects of sin. We got to grab that this morning. I don't want to move past that too fast. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid both for sin and the effects of sin. So separation from God is one of those effects. And so salvation through being born again brings us back to him. But sickness, disease, pain, and sorrow are other effects of sin that Christ's atoning work dealt with. The Isaiah 53 passage is clear in outlining that the work of Christ on the cross paid for full salvation, not just for our souls, but also for our bodies, our minds, and our emotions. He paid for it all. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross in his resurrection is efficacious for both sickness of soul and sickness of body. 
And the passage in Isaiah 53 shows that both have been dealt with with Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Healing for our bodies is included in Christ's atoning work. Now, because of this, we can say that sickness is to the body as sin is to the soul. Christ paid for the redemption of them both, and he desires us to prosper in both soul and body. And this is called out clearly in the epistle of 3 John. 3 John verse 2, he says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So the apostle John, he's writing to a friend here and he tells him that he is hopeful that he is enjoying good health in the exact same way that his soul is getting along. In other words, his desire is that you would prosper both spiritually and physically and you would be in good health. See, why did Jesus heal every single person who came to him? It's because he would pay for all to be healed and it is God's desire that we walk in both spiritual and physical health. Now, this is where sometimes our theology falls short of what is promised in the Bible. See, we know that Jesus is willing that none should perish. And because he paid for salvation for all. So we know that God says he's not willing that any should perish. He paid for salvation for all. So we believe anyone who comes to Christ in faith to be saved is able to receive salvation immediately on the spot. We all believe that, right? But what that also means, if we're going to believe that, is that because Christ paid for both salvation and healing in the exact same manner, we must also believe that anyone who comes to Christ in faith for healing is able to receive healing, and we should be able to believe that they can receive it immediately on the spot. If we want to believe that salvation can be received immediately every time on the spot, then we must also believe that healing can also be received in such a same manner. It is God's will to heal all who would come to him. It is God's will to heal all who would come to him. That is why Jesus, who revealed God's will for healing, healed every single person who came to him. Think about this. If it was not God's will to heal everyone, then surely someone who came to Christ for healing would have been turned away. But the Bible tells us that every single person was healed and received that came to him. Jesus healed all because he paid for all and he revealed the Father's will that all who would come to him would receive. Now, before we go any further, I want to quickly mention that I fully understand this can be hard to hear because we've all probably been in situations where we've not gotten the breakthrough either in our lives or a loved one's life. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes here. So stay, stay with me here. Jesus healed all who came to him. And we also see that great healing power through the early church. The book of Acts records the continuing work of Christ and the continuing work of the Holy Spirit through the church and records many healings as well. Many verses show that what Christ did, the church was also to continue to do. Through the power of the Spirit who will be poured out on the church after Christ's resurrection and ascension back to heaven. The kingdom of God is here. We belong to it. And the healing power of Jesus is part of that kingdom. That means healing is still available to God's people today. And we see the continuation of this in the book of Acts. Let's look at one quick example. Acts 28 verses 7 to 9. It says, There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius the chief official of the island. 
He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. And so this is the story of when Paul is shipwrecked and they end up on this island and he prays for and he sees someone healed of fever and dysentery. And then it says that the rest of the sick, some translations say all of the sick, on the island came to Paul for prayer and were healed. And as you study the book of Acts, you'll see there are numerous other healings that are called out as the disciples continued walking in the will of God to bring that healing power. It is the will of God to bring healing. It is his desire. Now, people sometimes struggle with that thought, right? Is it truly God's will to heal me? Is it truly God's will to heal me right now at this moment? If you ever struggle with that, I have a question that I like to ask that I believe clears that up in a moment. So if someone is struggling with the idea of whether or not it's God's will to heal them, or if you're praying for somebody and you're just saying, is it truly God's will to heal this person right now? There's a question you can ask. If Jesus was physically in this room, what would he do? Right? If you ever want to question, is it God's will when I come to him to heal me immediately on the spot, I want you to simply ask the question, if Jesus was physically standing in front of me, what would he do? And we all know because we know the scriptures, he would heal you on the spot because he heals all who come to him in faith. If Jesus was physically here, he would heal immediately. Then that answers the question once and for all whether or not it's God's will and whether we can have faith to be healed right now on the spot. When we come for healing or when we pray for someone to receive healing, even though Jesus isn't physically in this room, we can be confident that it's truly God's will to bring healing because that is the truth revealed in the life of Christ. This is what the scriptures declare, and it's what we must believe, that Christ paid the price for this. And so we can come to Christ believing it's his will to bring healing because of what he has done. We don't need to try and earn it. There is nothing we bring to the table in this other than our belief in what he has done and the scriptures say, and our stepping out in faith to receive it. That's really good news. We don't have to come try to bargain with God Right, We know so many times people bargain for healing. It's like, well, God, if you heal me, then I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you. God, well, I'm, I'm doing all of these things for you. I need to be well. No, we don't need to bargain with God. Jesus paid for it all. We bring nothing but our faith. We just bring our faith because it's on account of what Jesus has done for us, not what we do. He paid for it already, so we don't need to. So now for the million-dollar question. You ready? Why then do we always not see immediate healing? Would have been so much easier if I just skipped that for this sermon, right? Would have been so much easier. But as a pastor, I don't believe we need to shy away from the hard questions, even if there isn't always a perfect answer. So we're going to dig in a little bit here. See, I once preached a sermon on healing, and I had someone come to me. And this was just a dear saint in the faith. Loved them. This was at, when we were at Emmanuel. And they had been dealing with some sickness, and they brought to me the verse from 1 Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy to drink a little wine because he was so often sick. And they said, well, Pastor Josh, doesn't this prove that not everyone is healed? And my response to them was very simple. 
We are not called to build our, build our theology of healing off of the life of Timothy, but off of the life of Christ. If Timothy had not yet experienced breakthrough, it does not change the truth that Christ paid for his healing and Christ would have healed Timothy on the spot if he was physically with him. Timothy not yet getting healed does not change the truth of what Christ accomplished. Jesus is the standard that we teach and we believe for. Now in this room, I suspect that is the experience though of every single one of us. I suspect that just about every person here has had a need in their lives at some point or has known someone who has a need and they've prayed with faith but did not get the breakthrough. And in some cases, we may have suffered great great loss. And I can tell you from experience that I have been there both as a pastor and in my personal life. I can tell you that I have prayed with some dear saints in the faith through the years with great faith for breakthrough that we did not see. I had two grandparents that I loved dearly that I prayed for and we did not see the breakthrough and they both passed from dementia and Alzheimer's. And because we have all probably experienced this, I believe the church has backed down from a firm belief in the standard of God's word revealed in the life of Christ for healing, and we've become very good at creating reasons why we didn't get the breakthrough. And so what happens is instead of forming a belief system around healing based on God's word and the revelation of Jesus, we start creating one based on our own experience. And through the years, what has happened is the church has taken the truth of God's word and we've watered it down from the truth of God's word down to our level of experience instead of crying out for God to raise our experience to meet the standard of his word. And it creates a vicious cycle of less and less belief, creating self-fulfilling prophecies. Come on, we can't be satisfied anymore. We can't make excuses. We can't say that what we've experienced forms the foundation for what we are going to believe. And I understand this, though, because it, it's, it's tough, right? It hurts when we pray and we believe and we didn't get that breakthrough. And we want to understand. We want it to make sense. And so the church will come up with all of those different reasons. The problem is human reasoning will never attain to the level of God in the supernatural, See, there's many reasons you often hear that conflict with what is seen in the life of Christ when it comes to healing. Let me give a few examples. People will say, oh, well, miracles are just sort of rare. That's why we didn't get that healing. People will say, well, it's just not their time yet to be healed. People will say, well, God is just trying to teach them something with this sickness. They may say, well, they didn't have enough faith to be healed. And then the one that drives me batty, well, God made them sick for his glory. You hear these things, right? You hear these things and people say them. And this is why earlier I made sure to start by pointing us to Christ because he is the final word. He has the final word. Anything we believe about healing must be seen in and cannot contradict the life of Christ. The problem with everything I just stated, those reasons you often hear with healing is that none of them are seen in the life of Jesus. He healed all. He healed immediately. If miracles are to be rare or God was teaching people something or for some of them it wasn't their time, then once again, those accounts would have had to record that Jesus healed most instead of all. 
See, all of these things can become excuses for why we aren't walking in the power that the Bible says is available to us. And what happens is whatever we excuse, we allow. And many excuses in the church through many years as to why we aren't walking in everything the Bible says we should has slowly but surely moved us further and further away from the standard of God's word. And it's allowed sickness and disease to persist in God's people. Do we have a true firm conviction in God's healing power? Do we expect that God is going to bring healing when we pray? When we go forward to an altar, are we going forward to be prayed for or are we going forward to be healed? True expectation and belief, stepping out in faith and expectancy for more is what we need in the church today. So I can tell you every time I have prayed for someone and didn't see the breakthrough, it did not make me waver in my belief, but rather it drove me to become hungrier for God and hungry for more breakthrough. We should have an attitude of, Father, you said that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. So if we don't see that happen, then we are going to press in and cry out until we see it in our life and in your church. There must be a steadfast conviction and passion in the church for more. Something inside of us that says, God, you said this is available, so we will press in until we see it. Right? It's even as we heard earlier during the worship, it's not about just going ankle deep. This is about saying we're not satisfied being ankle deep. We're swimming all the way out into what God has for us. We're not satisfied with just a little. We're going to press in until we see more. And there's an account in Mark 9 and Matthew 17 that I think we can learn from. And so the disciples here, they pray for a young boy who is demon possessed. And they are unable to get the breakthrough. And so the father then brings the boy to Jesus and Jesus casts it out, which shows us that it was God's will to cast out that demon, even though the disciples were unable to. So prior to Jesus casting this demon out, he rebukes the disciples. Don't you just love it when Jesus rebukes them? Gosh, that's us as well, though. Now, at first, this seems really harsh. Right? Why would Jesus rebuke them because they were unable to cast out this demon? Jesus, that seems really harsh to rebuke someone for not seeing that breakthrough. But this is actually really amazing. Stick with me here. The reason this is amazing is because you don't rebuke someone for something they cannot do. Stay with me here. Let me give an example of this first. So I would not hand a basketball to my now 13-year-old son. I have a teenager now as of this week. Teenager, I got a preschooler, I got a toddler. Pray for me. The Lord will give us strength. I love you, buddy. You know it. I love that kid. But I would not hand him a basketball and tell him to slam dunk it and then rebuke him if he was not able to. Why? You don't correct someone for something they can't do. You correct them only if it's something they can do. This means that Jesus rebuking and correcting the disciples for not casting out the demon and bringing healing is because Jesus knew they could do it. And something kept them from being successful. And so he corrected that in them. So see, the rebuke was a good thing. See, now later the disciples ask why they were not able to cast it out. And Jesus tells them in Matthew, because of their unbelief, 
And in Mark, Jesus says that this kind comes out only by prayer. Now, if you read that account, what you'll find is that Jesus did not even pray. He simply cast that demon out. So when Jesus says this kind comes out only by prayer, he is talking about a lifestyle of communion with God. And now tie it to Matthew, that lifestyle of knowing God more removes unbelief and leads to faith. This kind comes out by prayer means it comes out when we grow in that relationship, when we build our faith through knowing God more, and we press in to receive all that is promised in God's word. We are called to grow and mature in our relationship with Christ, and breakthrough comes from those places. We are all called to grow in our relationship and faith as individuals and also grow in our faith for this as a church. Jesus rebuked the disciples collectively. The calling on the church is to become a body of believers pressing in for everything that Christ paid for. This is about the body of Christ and churches taking a hold of this belief and raising up the entire body, not just looking to one individual as the healer. I think we've all seen that at some point in time where there's people that have this mentality of, if I could only get that one person to pray for me, then I would be healed. Now, I'm not saying that some people don't walk in certain giftings in powerful ways. There are some people who have grown and they have great faith and they see great breakthrough for healing. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen. However, I don't believe that is solely God's plan. We have previously talked about the outpouring of the Spirit and that it was for everyone, young and old, men and women, rich and not so rich. See, what if the church taught, encouraged, and provided opportunity for everyone to get engaged in praying for people? This is about the royal priesthood that Peter declares we are part of in 1 Peter chapter 2. Priests in the old covenant, they represented man to God and God to man. In the new covenant, we are all part of this royal priesthood. So we all have the access to represent a person and their needs before God. To intercede and pray over someone and believe for God to answer in a powerful way. See, my passion is that the entire church, all of us at Bethel, would recognize that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in every single one of us. Resurrection power lives in you, and it lives in me. It lives in that person that's sitting directly beside you. We are all called to play a part in this. We are all called to pray for people to be healed. See, I have such great respect for ministers like Randy Clark and Bill Johnson in the Bethel movement. And I know some people maybe don't agree with everything they teach. That's okay. But what they have done is they have shepherded a great movement around healing, not around them being the high and mighty one that has to pray for all of the sick, but raising up the entire body of Christ to pray for the sick. They've shepherded a phenomenal movement that doesn't put the focus on them for healing, but puts it on the body of Christ to bring it. You are called to do this. You have resurrection power. And when you lay hands on people, you should fully expect that they will be healed. You may be sitting there and you may say, well, I'm scared to pray for people because what if I pray and nothing seems to happen? Well, don't ever let the fear of what if nothing happens keep you from the possibility of what if something does? What if something does? 
We together are his body, his representation here on earth. We are the body of Christ. And if the body would all get activated and praying and pressing into this, we will see breakthrough. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, you will do the works that I do and even greater. Jesus was talking to the disciples, the collective body. We tend to want to take that verse and other verses like this individually, but Jesus was talking to all of his disciples. This is a promise for the church. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come on up. This is about a church culture. This is about creating a culture of belief and expectancy around healing, creating a culture that firmly stands on the truth of God's word. If we don't get the breakthrough, the question is, do we change the subject? That's what so many people do. They pray, they do a quick prayer, and then they sort of run away real quick because they're afraid that nothing's going to happen. And so many places, they don't get the immediate breakthrough, and so it causes them to change the subject. They say, well, I guess we're not a healing church. I guess I don't have that gift. And they just move on to other things. That's what so many do. See, I can tell you, I wrote this sermon sitting in a hospital room, sitting in a chair beside the bed of my amazing wife who was suffering from the effects of the stroke. And the temptation would be to back off of this message or soften the edges just a little bit. But I refuse to do that because I will only proclaim what the Bible reveals as truth from this pulpit, whether I've seen it in my life or not. It's not my experience that dictates what I will preach. She is being healed. There have been miracles already. God is going to continue to restore and use her and her healing will be a testimony of his power. And yet I can't back off from the fact that if Jesus physically walked in that room, she would be 100% healed right now. And so what that means is there is more for us, more for me and more for us as a church to become more and more like Christ to see these breakthroughs come. We cannot change the subject like so many do when they don't immediately get breakthrough or they suffer loss. But we must continue to stand on God's word and believe for more than what we have ever seen or received or experienced. That is how you change a culture and create a culture of faith and expectancy and belief for more than what we've ever seen before. We create a body of believers who are not satisfied with less than what God's word says we can have. And we press in for more. A culture where if we don't get breakthrough, we don't back off the truth of God's word, but it actually does something inside of us and burns inside of us and encourages us to press in and believe for even more. We are to create an environment where God's presence is present and we anticipate testimonies of healing And we don't come up with reasons or excuses if we don't. We never change the subject. We don't move the goalposts. We stand on God's word and we press in and settle for nothing less than what God says is available to us. I believe God has spoken to my heart about Bethel becoming a church of breakthrough. A church that as a corporate body presses in and creates a culture where we believe and we walk in God's healing power. So much so that this church becomes known as a place that people need to go when they need healing. This is a precious gift. Recognize that. This is a precious gift and it must be something we steward well. Not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus 
and for the sake of people who are suffering with things that Christ paid for. I don't know about you, but that makes me mad. That makes me mad when I see people walking in sickness and disease, knowing that Jesus paid for them to be set free. That stirs me up. I can tell you, if you come to me and you ask for prayer and I pray and we don't see the breakthrough right there, I'm not just walking away going, oh, I guess we didn't get it. I can tell you I'm walking away going, Jesus, I must have more of you. This church must have more of you. We must walk in everything that you said is available to us. But this is a precious gift. And recognize that some gifts are so precious, they just aren't entrusted into anyone's hands. See, I most certainly would not lend a complete stranger the keys to my car, but I would lend them to somebody that I know and I trust and I know would steward it well. We must believe, we must press in and cry out for more. We must have great audacity to ask for the impossible and we must never settle for less than what God says is available to us. Christ paid for it and we must learn to walk in and steward it. And as we press in, believe for more and learn to steward this, we are going to see greater and greater things. One more piece of good news before we start to wrap up today. Ultimately, we will all be healed for all of eternity. That's an amazing promise. All believers are eventually gonna pass away. We're all gonna die from something. But there's gonna be a day in the future where we receive resurrection bodies when Christ returns, that will never be subject to weakness, sickness, or death forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. At that time, it says that death, the final enemy, will be swallowed up in victory. That is the culmination of the gospel of the kingdom. So our loved ones in Christ who have passed have already begun to taste of this reward, and we will all eventually receive it. So the good news is we will all ultimately be healed of anything and everything. But yet on this side of eternity, we can and we must stand on the promise of wholeness and healing for our bodies and strength so that Jesus can accomplish all that he has planned for our lives. Jesus is the will of the Father revealed for healing and that healing power is available to to us on this side of eternity as partakers of this great gospel of the kingdom. That's how I want to end this day. If you want to go ahead and stand to your feet. And could I have some of our leaders, our ministry team, our prayer team, whoever just wants to pray for people, come on forward. You could be out there and you could just say, man, I want to pray for people today. I want to see people healed. You go ahead and come on forward. Next week, we are gonna have a healing service. It's gonna be outrageous. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. Pastor Kevin and Remy are gonna lead that one and we are just gonna go for amazing things. But you don't need to wait. So your job this week is to invite some people to be with us next week. Find some people that need healing and you bring them to this service. Notice I didn't say you invite them. I said you bring them. Show up at their door on Sunday morning and tell them to get in the car. Get them here. We're gonna see God do amazing things, but we're not gonna wait either. So we have people up here this morning. If you're here this morning and you would say, I have a need in my body, will you just raise your hand up here? Yeah, so all across this room, we have people that have needs in their bodies. I would love to just invite you. Come find one of these folks this morning. 
I want to invite you this morning to come up for healing, not come up for prayer. And we are going to spend some time just worshiping the Lord. We are going to spend some time praying over people. And we are going to believe this morning for God to do outrageous, awesome, incredible miracles. That we are going to have testimonies of what he does this morning that we'll talk about next week. And we are just going to believe for greater and greater things. God has healing power for you this morning. Don't walk out of here without having somebody lay hands on you today. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.